This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. I don't know what uh, I don't know what you came in here with today. I don't know um, what you're thinking, what you're feeling, what you're going through, what life looks like. But I believe this because it's written in this word, in this in the scripture. That there is a, an enemy and a thief that in this exact moment wants to steal, kill, and destroy the, the life and the hope and the glory that we have towards God. And that there is darkness and oppression and hurt and brokenness and sin and struggles and, and all of those things still exist and and. We, we battle with and we struggle with, but, but I know this is that it says here in Colossians 1 that God has made us alive together with Jesus, that Jesus rose from the dead and that we by faith are made alive with him having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands and that God, he set aside our record of debt, nailing it to the cross And that he, Jesus, disarmed the rulers and authorities of this world, that the the enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy, that Jesus has totally disarmed him, that he has removed his power and his authority and his claim over our lives, and he has put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. And so I don't know what you are coming in here with. I do know that it's okay exactly where you are. That where you are right now is where you're supposed to be, and that's okay, but we don't have to stay there. And that the resurrection of Jesus tells us that the power that Satan had to keep us there no longer has that power anymore, and we do not have to stay there. That darkness has been pushed back, and that we can walk in the light just as he is in the light. Now, I think sometimes, um, I mean, a lot of times in where I am right now is, is trying to understand what that exactly looks like in my life. What does that look like in, in your life? Is, is what we're reading in Colossians, what we're, we're going to, to look at in Mark chapter 1, if you're, you're wondering where we're going to be, it's going to be Mark chapter 1. When we read that, I, I, I kind of wonder, well, is that just for there and then or is that also for here and now? Sometimes I think like, okay, God, I believe heaven is coming one day. Praise you for heaven. But, but is the abundant life that you came to bring us, is the fullness of life that you came for us to enjoy, is that, is that just there and then or is that also here and now? I think sadly a lot of times um, I, get, I get discouraged and frustrated with the scripture and um, and if you're looking for a preacher, a pastor that has it all together and doesn't get discouraged with the Bible, then I'm probably not your, your guy. Um, but I get frustrated at times because I'm like, this does not make sense and I don't, I, I don't feel like I'm living this. What do I do with this? A- anyone else? Yes? Oh, praise good. Whew. 
Sometimes I think I read the Bible and I get discouraged. I read it a lot like social media, which I despise social media with a fiery passion. It was formed in the pits of hell. Um, and, and the demons are raining through the talks and the chats and the snaps and the posts and the whatever. I, that's a different conversation. Um, but I think sometimes so what's so dis, discouraging about social media is we look at these pictures of people over there and they're having such a great time and we're like, why is it not great here in my life? Right, that's one of the most frustrating things, right? Like, uh, that was great back then, man, life was amazing, but right now it sucks. What do I do with now? That's one of the most frustrating things about it, right, as we live in this, hello, um, I'm gonna have to move this guy or I'm gonna go down. My, uh, my agility is not what it used to be. I, uh, I injured myself yesterday in a virtual reality game. <laughs> it's not funny. You know, it's an injury. It's a forearm injury. I was boxing. Anyways, um, man, now where am I? What was I even saying? Good gracious. Social media. It's the worst. It's from hell. Okay. Um, but it, but it, it gets us in this place of discontentment where we're, we're looking at this stuff and we're like, oh, man, that's, that's great for them over there, but it's nothing for me here. Life was great back then, but it's not so great now. And sometimes I think I read the Bible that way and I look at it and I go, man, the miracles are great there, but it's not happening here. That's awesome that that happened back then, but what about now? Anyone else read the Bible sometimes and go, there is a disconnection. Is this just like some philosophical thinking where I'm like, man, this is great and I'm going to think this way, but it, it doesn't actually break into our lives and change the world around us? Like I've been struggling the past couple of years. I've got this darkness that, that literally, I landed from Colorado and I was on 183 and I just felt this darkness come over me. And I'm like, God, I don't get it. What, this doesn't seem to line up. What do I do with this? And so I'm not, I'm not coming here from a place of like, hey, I'm gonna give you all the answers. I got it all figured out. Like I'm in it with you. I'm, I'm, I'm in this trying to figure this out and know what God is telling us and, and live in it. But, but when I read Mark chapter 1, I sense God saying, no, no, th this is not just for there and then, but this is for here and now. That, that what happened there and then happens here and now for you and for me. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead, not just to change lives there and then, but to change lives here and now. I believe that one day in heaven, there and then, it will be amazing, but I also believe that God wants the fullness of life for us here and now, and it's only going to progressively get better in him for all of eternity. My hope for us and for a church, my, my hope selfishly for me is that the light of Jesus will push into the dark parts of my life and will force it out because Jesus is alive. Therefore, I can have the hope that I can live in him today. I believe this is for here and now, not just there and then. So if you're catching up with us, um, we're going to be in Mark, 29, Mark 1, verses 29 through 34. We're, we're, just, get, uh, we're just getting started with Mark, um, and we're going to be in this book for a chunk of time, um, you know, a little bit here and there for sure. Um, and so we, we got a ways to go. But just to, to catch you up, um, Mark tells us in verse 1 that the purpose of his writing is to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
that, that we would know the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, either this was just written for, for some of Mark's buddies that would be circulated around there and then, or, or we believe that these words are for us here and now. It, there's no kind of like, ah, maybe a little bit. No, it's, they're either true for us or they're not. And, in, and we're standing here staking our faith that these words are the words of God, and they are true for us here and now. And so Mark wants you and me to know and to see the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that Jesus Christ has come for you and me here and now, that we would have life in him and have it abundantly. That's the good news that Jesus has for us. And Jesus comes onto the scene and we see in verse 14 that he, he comes in, he's proclaiming the good news of God, saying the time is now, it's fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is here. It's, it's present. It's here and now in the flesh among us. A couple weeks ago when we preached on these verses, we said a kingdom has three necessary parts in order for a kingdom to exist. One, it's got to have a king. You don't have a kingdom if you don't have a king. Two, it's got to have a people that surrender allegiance, that, that submit to the way of the kingdom. And three, it has to have victory over the enemy. It's got to have that, that actually that kingdom starts to break in and create a new way of living. If you take out any of those three, you don't have a kingdom. You take away the king, you don't have a kingdom. You take away the people, you don't have a kingdom. You take away the rule and reign of the king, you don't have a kingdom. Satan lost to the king. You see it in Isaiah. And so now he turns his attention to the people. If he can take out the people, then he thinks he can overthrow the kingdom. But Jesus is coming in and he's saying, hey, I am the king. The kingdom of God is here. And he's inviting us to be a part and to live in the reality of his kingdom. To live in the, not just the idea or the, the thought of his kingdom, not just the kingdom there and then, but the kingdom is at hand now, and it is for us here and now to live in and to know. But that means that the enemy is pushed out. For the kingdom of God to have place in our life today, here and now, means that the darkness is pushed out. It means that the, the way of the enemy is pushed out. Otherwise, there is no kingdom in our life. So if the rule and reign of Jesus isn't making its way, breaking into our lives and bringing in the kingdom of God, then there is no kingdom of God in our lives. Show of hands if you've read or watched uh, Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yes? Oh, good. See, Michaela, they're great books. I've been telling you. Look, everybody here loves it. Oh, I think they're fantastic. So you've got the witch, the, the, the frozen witch, who is ruling and reigning over Narnia, and, and her way is, is death and is slavery and, and is frozen. But then a new king comes in, Aslan, and he starts to gather a people that will follow him, right? He starts to gather people up and, and to overthrow the witch. So, so if you've got the king and you've got a people, 
But then if nothing actually changes, if it's still frozen and it's still death and it's still slavery, then there, there really is no kingdom, right? It's wishful thinking. It's an idea, but there's not actually a kingdom until the king overthrows the enemy and starts to bring in the new life of the kingdom. Does that make sense? And so you see that in the line in which in the wardrobe where the ice starts to melt, right? It's breaking in. The, the grass starts to grow again. Life starts to come about. It's actually changing. And that's what Jesus is saying is that he is the king and he's bringing an actual new kingdom into this world. The kingdom of God is coming out of heaven and is breaking into this world and the kingdom of light is pushing out the darkness of the enemy. Not figuratively, not imagination, but real. Jesus, he would say in Luke 4, Luke writes this down, Mark didn't record it, but, but Luke did. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. The kingdom of God is good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. The kingdom of God is freedom to those who are enslaved. Recovery of sight to the blind. The kingdom of God is no more sickness or death or depravity, but restoration and healing and life. To set at liberty those who are oppressed, the kingdom of God is no longer demonic oppression, but freedom from the rule of a spiritual darkness. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the kingdom of God is God's favor for you, here and now. Not just there and then, not just there and then in heaven, that the kingdom of God is at hand here and now for you and for me. Jesus actually is present and alive today to push out the darkness of our lives. Do you, do you believe that? Have you received that? Is there, is there darkness in you that is, that is ruling and has a grip? Because I believe that Jesus wants to set you free from that. And and it's not going to be perfect yet because we still live in a broken world. We're going to step back into sin, right? We're gonna, it's, it's, it's gonna continue to progress and one day it will be perfect. But I think Jesus has freedom, real life for us here and now. And it's these verses in Mark that, that give me that hope. So as we were saying, Jesus comes onto the scene and he, he announces his kingdom. He is king. And then he calls in verse eight, uh, 16 through 20, these first followers, right? He's building a following of people. And then in 21 through 28, we see him overthrowing the enemy, beating the enemy. He, he cast a demon out of someone. There's actual change in that person's life. He commands the demon to shut up and leave and the demon has to obey Jesus and he shuts up and leaves. There's actually the kingdom of God breaking into that person's life and his fame is spreading. So the, the three components of his kingdom are, are coming into place. You got a king, you got a people following and you have an enemy being defeated and thrown out. And it, just, it says there at the end of, of that verse 28 that fame is spreading everywhere. Man, Jesus has made his mark. Like he's, he's in the big leagues now. 
He's broken through and everybody is like, this Jesus dude is for real. Like he's bringing in the kingdom of God. We just saw this man was possessed. He ain't possessed anymore. Jesus spoke and the demons obeyed, right? And it's like, man. So if I'm in that scene, I'm thinking like, okay, cool. Well, he's untouchable now, right? Someone gets famous. They forget where they came from. You're like, oh yeah, remember me? You know, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm maybe thinking, yeah, Jesus is going over there to the influential people. Jesus has to keep climbing the ranks. He's got to be strategic. Surely Jesus won't, won't see me. Surely he won't think about me. Surely he doesn't see the unseen or know the unknown, right? He's the king. The king. You ever tried to call the president? We have a hard time getting through. Right? You, you just don't you, don't, you don't have that access. So surely this king, Jesus, that's for there and then. That's for other people. It's not for us. I don't think it's true, though. It says in verse 29, immediately after this huge scene where Jesus breaks into a man and fame is spreading everywhere, immediately he left the synagogue and he entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. And Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with the fever, and immediately they told him about her, and he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. Immediately, Jesus leaves the synagogue, right? Like, he's up front. He's got the whole church gathered around. His fame is spreading everywhere. He's just worked his magic, and he goes to lunch at Andrew and Simon's house. Blue-collar fishermen, Right? They're not influential. They're, they're fishermen because they most likely failed out of school at the higher levels, and so they couldn't advance any further, and so they went back home to work the trade of their father. Blue-collar fishermen. Nobody really knows them. Jesus pulled them off a boat one day, and yet he's going to lunch with them. It'd be easy to think like, okay, next he's going over there to the big wigs, to the influential people, but, but no, he's here in, in the home of the unseen and the unknown, the unimportant. This king is different than most kings. This king is different than most famous people. The kingdom of God is, is different. Jesus is unique. He's, he's not just over there with others. He's here with us. He sees the unseen. He knows the unknown. He remembers the forgotten. This king, he sits at a table and he looks in the eyes of fishermen. This king, he walks with the everyday person. He breaks bread with the unknown. See, the kingdom of God is not just for there and then. It's not just for others. What you need to hear today is that the kingdom of God and this king is for you. He's for you and he's for me. He sees you and he knows you. And he wants to look you in your eye and commune with you. Be in relationship with you. He's not sitting off in a distance, letting other people do his work for him. He, he wants to intimately know you. 
Each one of us were created for a personal, real, intimate relationship with the God of this world. We're created to know and to live in and experience the kingdom of God. And I think the fact that Jesus would go to the house of Simon and Andrew tells us that he's not just over there with them. He's not just up front on the stage at the synagogue, but he's also going to come home and walk with us into our homes and into our lives and to commune with us. See, a lie of the devil was to tell you that he doesn't see you, that he doesn't think about you, that he's, he's distant, that he's not near. And, and Jesus is pleading with us, the Spirit is pleading with us to open our hearts and receive him into our lives. He came for Simon and Andrew, James and John and Peter's mother-in-law, and he's come for me and for you. Immediately, they tell him about Peter's mother-in-law. She was in bed with a fever. Uh, Luke records it and says it was a high fever. And she, she was really sick, and Jesus takes her by the hand, and, and Luke also records, he says, rebukes the fever. Jesus speaks to the virus, to the fever, to whatever it is, and he removes the fever from Peter's mother-in-law, and she stands up, and she's healed. She begins serving. She was bedridden. She couldn't get out of bed. She was so sick, and now she's, she's serving, and she's loving, and she's walking around and communing with them because Jesus literally, tangibly healed her from this fever. It wasn't an imagination. It wasn't like, oh, I think I can muscle through this. I'm feeling good now, right? Like, hey, write something good about me, right? Like Jesus actually healed her from the fever. Why in the world do you think they asked Jesus about her? They bring him to the house, and they're not like, hey, it's fine. Don't, don't bother Jesus with, don't bother Jesus with mom. No, immediately they're like, hey, Jesus, my mother-in-law, she's sick. Why did, they, why did they bring him in? I, I got to believe because they actually believed he could do something about her illness and that he would. I, I think they believed that he, he could and, and would. And so they asked I'm going to be real honest and say that I, I think where I struggle is I believe that, that God can heal today and push out the darkness in my life. I, I think I struggle that he will. Actually, I know that I do. I give him an out. God, will you free me from this darkness if it's your will? Because I, really I'm giving myself an out so that if I get disappointed, if it doesn't happen, right? Like I can be like, okay, it's, it's not your will, right? Someone comes up here and they're sick. Do I believe that God can heal them? Absolutely. Do I believe in faith and expect that he will if I'm being honest? No. I, I think that go to the doctor and get some medicine. And that's not bad or wrong, but it's my out for not having to have faith that he's actually going to do something here. If you're depressed, chemically depressed, 
Do I believe that God can heal you and that he knows how to design the body and the chemicals and the brains and that all of that's his creation and that he can undo that? I do believe that he can. Do I believe that he will? I'm honestly going to encourage you to go talk to a counselor and get some medication. And again, that's not wrong. I, I take medication. But do I believe that he will? And we're jumping ahead a little bit, but you get to Mark chapter 6. He's in Nazareth, and it says that he was unable to do mighty works there because of their unbelief. So i got to start wondering, is the kingdom of God for here and now? And if it is and I'm not seeing it, is it because ultimately I don't believe it? And I don't know what to do with that. Like I got some, I got 38 years of Western culture. I don't need help. I can pull myself up by my bootstraps. I can get the job done. I've got all the resources I need in my hands, right? I don't actually have to have faith in God. I got 38 years of undoing. So I, again, I'm not here saying like, hey, I got this all figured out. Here's your step-by-step process. I'm, I'm in this with you. But Dad Gummin, I don't think that was just for there and then. I think it's for here and now. They, Jesus, she's, mom's sick. Why else would they tell him unless they thought that he could and would do something about it? Let me also not overlook the fact that Simon and Andrew, they, they took Jesus home with them. They were at church, right? You see, how often do we go to church and we meet with Jesus there, but then when we leave, we don't take Jesus with us? And we wonder, man, why don't I see the kingdom of God in my life at, at home or at work? It's, well, honestly, because we don't really engage with him except for Sundays or maybe in our quiet times when we're supposed to, but we don't take him to class with us. We don't take him to the job with us. We're not thinking and communing with him as we're driving and everyone's cutting us off, right? Like we're not, we're not at lunch with Jesus. We don't, so often we don't take him with us. We go through life living in this physical world, forgetting that we're spiritual beings. Forgetting that the the physical life is short and temporary compared to the spiritual eternity that we are already living in. We're just presently living here. And we wonder, why don't I see the kingdom of God? And, And to be quite frank, it's because we don't bring Jesus with us. We leave him back at the synagogue. Let me encourage, I think if we want to see more of the kingdom of God here and now in our lives, we've got to start bringing Jesus with us into things. Okay, God, I am a Christian who happens to be a student. How do you tell me to be a student? How do you want me to approach my my school? Okay, God, I'm a Christian who happens to be an educator. How how do you want me to educate? How do you want me to, to lead these students or my faculty? Okay, God, I'm a Christian who's hanging out with friends and there's drinks around. How do you want me to handle this alcohol? What would it look like for me to glorify you with this drink? Okay, God, I'm a Christian and I am in a relationship or I want to be in a relationship. How, how do you want me to handle my sexuality, God? I, I, I thought about this rule of thumb, right, where... If we're doing something 
and we can't in the moment pray and praise God with what we're doing, we probably shouldn't be doing it. So if you're like, how far is too far? Well, if you wouldn't stop in that moment and say, man, thanks be to God, it's probably too far. But we don't take him with us into all of our lives and then we wonder, man, why do I feel oppressed? Let's bring him with us. Bring him with us. And and I think we're going to start to see the kingdom of God actually breaking into our lives and pushing out the darkness. And so if you're reading this and you're still skeptical, which, which I am, I'm with you, and you're like, well, it's Peter. Come on, man. Like, it's one of his top three dudes. Of course he's going to heal Peter's mother-in-law. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole dadgum city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases. I was like, Jesus, why just many? Apparently that Greek word means, it's just like, oh yeah, many, the whole group. It means everybody. I didn't know that. Apparently it means that like anybody who was sick or came, like who came to that house, he healed them. He cast out the demon, he healed them. He healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. We'll talk about that last point at, at a, in another sermon because we don't have time, but it's, it's, we'll, we'll get there. These people, do you know their first names? Nope, me either. Do you know their backgrounds? Nope. Vocations? Nope. They were just unnamed people living in the town. And they too thought, this guy can and will do something. Let's go. And you know what he did? He healed them and he cast out demons. He actually, tangibly, physically healed them and cast out demons. The the darkness of sickness that is of the devil and is of sin. Jesus is like, no, no, stop that. No, this is the kingdom of God. This is the kingdom of life and of vibrancy. Get out. The demonic that wanted to steal, kill, and destroy and had evil hooks in these people, Jesus is like, stop it, no more, get out. And by the authority and power of Jesus, he cast this out. Why? Because the kingdom of God is at hand here and now. And when the kingdom of God is here, he actually pushes out the evil. Because light and darkness cannot coexist. And so when the light is present, the darkness has to flee. When the light moves in and says, get out, the darkness has to get out. And so that is what Jesus is doing is he's actually bringing the kingdom of God from heaven to earth for us to live in and experience and give glory and praise to God. That we would love him for his goodness and his kindness and we would glorify him and we would enjoy him in all of his freedoms. So either like this is true and real and it's only for there and then, which at that point, like, hey, great, let's just go ahead and do our lives. Or this is for us today, here and now. And today, God still heals and casts out demons. So here's my encouragement. Take it to Jesus. Give it to Jesus. 
Like we're either going to believe him and that the kingdom of God has come for us and we're going to give it to Jesus or, or, or we're not. You've got sin that has just plagued you and you can't break free from. Give it to Jesus and ask him to take it. Sickness, give it to Jesus. Ask him to heal. Dark oppression, give it to Jesus and ask him to bring freedom. Brokenness, give it to Jesus. Ask him to fix it. I don't know exactly how it will go, what it will look like, what God's plan is. I'd be, I'd be a liar to say that I do. But I do believe that the kingdom of God is for here and now and that there's a whole lot more of it for us to experience than we have. I do believe that there's healing for us to see in Jesus and for praise to be given to him. I do believe there are miracles to happen that will give evidence and validation to the reality and the truth of Jesus. I do believe that there are lives that are meant to literally be transformed in this life here and now that we haven't seen yet because we, we haven't surrendered it to Jesus. The kingdom of God has come because you know what? Jesus is still king. Because he rose from the dead and the Bible says that he ascended to heaven and is seated on his throne. He is still actively, presently in this moment, reigning over all. He is still king. And Jesus still invites us to follow him. He still is gathering a people and inviting us to be a part of his kingdom. He stands at the door and he knocks and he invites us. He invites us to commune with him and to sit at the table with him and to know him. And Jesus is still pushing out the darkness of this world and bringing in the kingdom of God into this world here and now. And the greatest way he does that is by the forgiveness of sins. We're born into the kingdom of darkness, that, that sin has us wrapped up in chains. But Jesus went to the cross and nailed those sins to the cross so that when we trust him, those chains are taken off and they're buried in the tomb, the tomb that Jesus walked out of, and they're left behind, they're paid for, they're forgiven. That's the kingdom of God breaking into our lives today. And so if you're a Christian, you've experienced the kingdom of God here and now because your sins are already forgiven. If you're not a Christian, if you haven't trusted Christ, then he invites you into his kingdom because Jesus has already paid the price for our forgiveness. And in his resurrection, he walks out victoriously and he's like, hey, my kingdom is going to continue to end for all of eternity. Th that means yes, one day there and then, but that also means today, here and now, because we're living in between, Right? Jesus has already risen from the dead. So that was there. Heaven's coming. We're living in his kingdom. He is king. And he's inviting us in and he's pushing out the darkness. By faith, we can receive it. And so as we, as we conclude today, I've just been on a personal journey myself trying to understand 
I've been on a journey where God has, I believe, been opening my, my mind and my heart to understand that, that his kingdom, his, his way of life is not just there and then, but it's here and now. That the abundant life that Jesus came to, to bring us was not just a slip of the tongue, but he actually means it. That freedom from sin that, that he purchased for us is actually there. That there actually is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That the power of death and sickness actually cannot overcome Jesus and that we can be healed and we can have life. How will miracles break through? I'm not totally sure. But I know only with Jesus. I know with Jesus, that's where the miracles come. That's where the breakthrough comes. I know that in faith, we have to believe and trust. I know that miracles will come when they glorify God. And miracles will come when they are bringing in the kingdom of God and his ways and his life. know that some of you are looking. I know that right now the, the weight of brokenness is, you feel it, you know it. You can name it and identify it. And I believe that Jesus wants you to be free. Really, actually free. Really, actually healed transformed, made new. There's a beautiful prayer. I couldn't even tell you the reference. It's in the Gospels. It's in the, where a father says, I believe, help my unbelief. Maybe you're right where I am and, and you believe, but you also don't. You're real honest with yourself. You're like, man, I, I believe and I, I want to believe, but I just kind of think it's for there and then and not here and now. That's where I am, honestly. But I think that God is undoing that in me. And I think he wants that for you too. And so will you just take a second right now? Would you, would you close your eyes? Because we're just an easily distracted people. And as best as you know how, it's in your mind and your, your heart, your spirit speaking to God, will, would you ask him to speak to you? Would you ask him to give you faith where it's lacking? follow the lead of Simon and Andrew and would you bring your request to him and ask him to heal to free to shine the light of God's kingdom into your life
to the praise and glory of God who gives generously of his good gifts. Father in heaven, you are you're good and you're kind. I'm, I'm really grateful for how patient you are with us. future, but for for here and now. I'm grateful that you go to the home of the fishermen, to the unseen and unknown, to the stranger that, that comes to you, you're welcome. And it just tells me that we are welcomed and invited. God, I admit my faith is um, often logical, practical, or physical. I oftentimes believe that you are able, but I, I just don't expect that you will. And so I don't. I don't really surrender to you, but I, I try to hold on to it on my own and, and go figure it out. Not realizing, Father, that, that really a lot of times that just keeps me trapped. God, I think we need to hear your invitation so that the fears we have of letting go will no longer be fears, but we will know that with you it's good and safe.
Lord, come. Build your kingdom here in this room with these people for your glory, for your praise, for their good and the good of those around us. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.